Well, good morning. If you're new with us today, my name's Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at the Ridge. Those of you in the room or online. And I'd also like to add my wishes to Mother's Day as well. Uh, to all of you who uh, serve as moms and those who you're called to mother in this season, as a church, we're truly grateful for you. Mom, you might be watching now or later, so happy Mother's Day. And even though you had nine of us, I know I'm your favorite, so thank you for that. And also to my wife, Hillary, as well, who's an incredible mother. Well, when I was, um, from, the, from the time I was a young boy, my, my parents taught me many important values and they taught us the values of, of faith in God and, and family. They taught us the value of hard work, which that, that value has certainly helped carry me through life. But even though they, have, they instilled that value in me, there's still times where I'm tempted to cut corners or honestly just be outright lazy. A few weeks ago, I was hanging up a picture in the living room and I was too lazy to go downstairs to get a hammer. So I rummaged through our junk drawer in the kitchen and found this dinky little crescent wrench and got my nail and, you know, took much longer to, to nail in that nail than it would have been to go downstairs and grab a hammer. Uh, I don't have a truck and I'm always building something. So you may have seen me, and I apologize for this, you may have seen me driving down the highway at some point with a load of lumber sticking out of my Civic tied up with an extension cord. It seems like any rope I've ever owned or ratchet strap is never anywhere to be found when you need it. So you can tell how beat this thing is that I have used it to tie down lumber far too many times. And this last one, I, I immediately am gonna feel the judgment upon me. It's fine, I can take it. But we have two bathtubs upstairs in our home and we need both of them every night. And for some reason, the kids love to play hide and seek with the tub stoppers. I don't know where they go. I really don't, and I don't have the energy by that point in the day to, hide, to hunt down a tub stopper, so I will use whatever's closest to me. I've used, I've used t-shirts, I've used washcloths, most of the time I just use an old sock, you know, that's sitting on the floor. There comes the judgment, bring it on. But if you, if you stuff it in just right, sometimes you might need two, it actually works pretty well, and I guarantee you that someone's gonna do that tonight, and that's gonna be incredible. So what do these things have in common? What, what do these three items have in common? Well, I don't think any of them are, are being used for their intended purpose, right? And you probably have some other great hacks as well. Things that you've used that weren't intended for that purpose. You know, a wrench is intended for a bolt, not a nail. An extension cord, its intended purpose is to extend power not tie down my lumber going down Route 68, and the purpose of a sock is for your foot, not when you can't find the tub stopper. What I wanna talk about today is, is something far more important than any of those. We're gonna continue this series, Finding Purpose, to talk about the God-designed purpose for our families, but how most of us never experience that purpose. It's like the wrench that was designed for the bolt, but it's not actually used for that. I think a lot of us, unfortunately, have never actually experienced maybe the breadth and the depth and the beauty of God's planned purpose for our families. You know, it's the group of people who are supposed to be there for you no matter what. And maybe for you, it's the group of people that don't show up when you need them the most. 
Or maybe it's the place where you know you should be able to go to be built up. But it's the group of people or it's the place that constantly beats you down. And what should be one of our greatest sources of joy in this life can often be one of our greatest sources of conflict and pain, regret, and shame. Now, I know some of you can't relate to this. That's awesome, truly. You know, maybe you've had a wonderful childhood and maybe your family right now is just in a great place. Praise God for that. that that's the goal. So we praise God for that if that's where you are. But I know most people, that's not the case. You're not experiencing the, the purposes and the blessings of what can come through family. And I think we have to ask the question, why is that, you know? Why is that? Is that just because my particular family's bad or our particular family is broken? Well, I think we could probably come up with a long list together. You know, probably a lot of finger pointing. He did that, she did that, she didn't do that. But the truth of the matter is, and we're gonna talk about this in a moment, is that it actually goes back to the very first family. That the pain and the dysfunction and the brokenness that we experience now, it goes back to the very first family and the ripple effects are being felt by us today. So in this talk, I wanna talk about that first family and some of the things that happened. Then I wanna talk about the biblical foundation for family. And then the bulk of our time today, I think really will be a true encouragement, hopefully a breath of fresh air as we talk about some of the biblical purposes for family and, and maybe you just need a reminder of, of what family's supposed to be all about. Or maybe if you are the person that had a horrible childhood or maybe your family is just experiencing so much turmoil, maybe you just need a little encouragement to know that there is a true north, there is a purpose, and that with God all things are possible. So I wanna start by looking at what happened on the sixth day of creation. You, you know this passage, Genesis chapter one, the crown jewel of creation. It says this, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. He blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. In the very first chapter of the Bible, we see that one of God's intended purposes for the family was to be the foundation for all of our lives. This is how family, how life would be brought about is through the family but it would also be the foundation for all of society at large. And the plan is for a man and a woman to come together as husband and wife, to be fruitful and multiply and have children who we know are gifts from the Lord. And they will love and nurture those children to the point where they can then also get married and, and have a family. And that generation will pass it to the next generation to come. We know God's heart for this. One place is Malachi chapter two that was really urging to, to watch over your family to make sure that it's not destroyed. And the heart of God specifically says is that we could have godly offspring. 
this generational impact for years to come. So this was God's design, his original plan to bring beauty and order and peace for us individually, but also a structure and a plan that would bring order and beauty to the entire world. You know, last week was Teacher Appreciation Week. So teachers, administrators, school personnel, thank you. Don't know how you do it. But I'm think, I was thinking about this particular point of how family is meant to be the structure of society. And it got me thinking about a school. And a good school is gonna have a board, a superintendent, probably a couple of principals, support staff, administrative staff, and then they're gonna have teachers who lead and, and care for that individual classroom. Now imagine 100 you know, preschoolers or, or 500 middle schoolers or 1,000 high schoolers going to a building with none of that structure in place. What would that day be like? The kids would love it, but there would be a lot of chaos and, and teachers, you're like, Josh, it's the end of the school year. Even with a structure, it's utter chaos. I, I get that. But that is God's design, that there would be order, that there would be structure. And within that, upon that foundation, our lives would be built. So this truth is clearly seen in Genesis 1 and 2. It's repeated and affirmed throughout the scriptures. Read Mark 10, what Jesus said. He echoes back to Genesis. Ephesians 5 and 6 echoes back to Genesis. This is the design, this is the plan. So to me, it, it begs the question. If God designed it and we know his heart is for it, if Jesus not only affirmed it but lived it, we believe that, that God sent his one and only son into this world through the family. And if it's affirmed all throughout the scriptures, then why is it so hard? Why is it so challenging? Why does it seem like we just can't get along? And when holidays come, it's like, look out. I, I think the answer is one word. I think the answer is sin. Because right after God created the family in Genesis 3, temptation came and the fall occurred and with it brought about sin. The wages of sin is death and with death comes brokenness and destruction to ourselves, to our loved ones, to our marriages, to our children. If you don't think, if you think your kids don't get along, the first brothers, Cain, killed Abel. Genesis chapter four. But even with that, we can have hope because scripture reminds us that death, sin, destruction was brought into this world through one man, Adam. But in the same way, hope and restoration in life can be found in what the Bible describes as the new Adam, Jesus Christ. Romans 5.19 says, for just as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. In this one verse, we see the source of all of our problems, and that is sin. All have sinned and fall short. The solution is Jesus Christ, who died in our place and for our sins, and the response that God looks for is not going to church, is not cleaning yourself up, it's faith in Christ, believing that what he did on the cross counts for me. And so those of you who've already placed your faith in Christ, you know what you have to hold on to. You have been forgiven of your sins, past, present, future. You've been promised the gift of eternal life, and you've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Galatians says the work, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And what I'm describing here is the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. And without Jesus, we, we don't have hope for our families. We just don't. But through faith in Christ, we can have hope for ourselves. We can have hope for our families. And, and, and the acknowledgement also is that even with Jesus, there's still gonna be hard times. Our families won't become perfect. We're still going to sin. We're still gonna experience the pain that we talked about last week. But what it does mean is this, is that we will be empowered, that we will have a true north of what God wants for us and he will help us get there. It's not gonna be easy. It's still gonna be hard but we can have a true north of what God desires for us in an upside down world. So upon this biblical foundation for family and in light of the gospel and how this good news restores us and makes us new, I wanna consider God's purposes for the family. And and before we launch into the the particular points, I just wanna say whether you're 8, 18, 80, Anywhere in between, this message is for you. If you're single or if you're married, this message is for you. If your family's nearby or across the country, this message is for you because all of us have some kind of family, good, bad, or in between. And as we work through the Bible passages today, think of how you can encourage it, uh, apply it to your context. My context is that I'm married to Hillary. We have four biological children, two foster children. I have a really big side, extended family on my side. My wife has a smaller one, but that's the the lens by which I view family, my nieces and nephews, my grandparents. What is it for you? As you consider these points, how you can apply it to your parents, step-parents, grandparents, maybe you're blessed to still have a great-grandparent, how you can apply it to those beside you, spouses, brothers, sisters, and and to those you are influencing, children, grandchildren, nieces, and nephews, you can apply this to your own family. So we're going to work through an acrostic family, and each six points, I think, is going to bring you encouragement today. So the first point of, of finding God's purpose for family is faith. You guys have all seen the, the country chic kind of signs that say, you know, I say faith, family, and football, right? We're in Morgantown, we love football. Or maybe faith, family, and farming, or faith, family, and fitness. But it's important that we keep faith number one. Next week, Pastor Tim is going to talk about the purpose of the church. And in fact, really everything we're talking about today, next week I think we're gonna see how the church family can help step in when our earthly family falls short. But we're gonna talk about the church next week, but that does not undermine the importance of the nuclear family in passing on the faith. I love Deuteronomy chapter six. It's such a bedrock passage about how faith is instilled and passed on generation to generation. It says this, listen Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in the house and when you walk down the road, when you lie down and and when you get up. This vision for faith is not once a week for one hour 
or once a week every other week. You know, it's a 24-7, 365. It's a, it's a sheets kind of faith. You know, they've got that big sign, 24-7, 365. That's the idea here, that God is a priority in the morning, in the afternoon, and at the night. God is a priority on Sunday as much as he is on Wednesday, as much as he is on Saturday. And it's important, especially for those who have, ch- have children and grandchildren, that we start them as early as we can. Second Timothy chapter three, the apostle Paul writing to Timothy said this, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you. You know that from where? Childhood. You have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures inspired by God is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Timothy was given faith at a young age. It was instilled in him. And when we do that, we can take comfort in verses like Proverbs 22, 6 teach a youth, or maybe you have it memorized as train up a child, teach a youth about the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's an incredible promise. So we want to think about how we can influence the next generation, but I know that I have kids listening. I see some right now. I know there's kids on the other side of that camera. We've got teenagers. I want to remind you that you have a role to play as well that this isn't just a top-down thing, it comes bottom up. Jesus said you have to have faith like a child. First Timothy again, it says this, let no one despise your youth, instead you should be an example to the believers in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Kids, students, hear me, we need your faith. We need to see the miracles of Jesus through your eyes. We need to hear your prayer at the dinner table. We need to watch you love and help someone who falls down off their bicycle. Your faith inspires us. That's how God designed it. Not just from grandparents and parents to children, but for children and students to inspire us as well. You play a huge role in faith. So that's number one. God's purpose for the family is faith a place, a group that our our faith in Christ is nourished and, and nurtured and that we all grow up in him. Secondly, I believe that our family is called to be a safe place, both physically and emotionally. Now, I think we'd all agree that there are still in this broken world a lot of beautiful things for us to enjoy. Cooper's Rock, going out to eat with your family. I mean, there are still so many good things in this world, even though it's broken. But the reality is we live in a broken world and there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of abuse and there's a lot of, a lot of conflict in the physical realm, whether that's violence or someone getting beat up, but especially for those of you who are younger than me in the digital realm, online bullying, the text threads that just won't stop. I mean, it can be a very cruel world and what we need our families to be is a safe place. I knew growing up that no matter what happened in the world around me, that when I got back to 123 Preston Avenue, that I would be okay. It was a safe place. Now, I just want to own the fact that that we all have a role to play in that. 
in, in specifically Ephesians chapter four, a very famous passage actually kind of calls out fathers in particular. It says this, children obey your parents as you would the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Biblical scholar, he, he, he helps us see that we're not to provoke to anger. We're not to provoke children with unreasonable demands or petty rules of favoritism. Such actions cause children to be discouraged. Instead, fathers to bring them up, that is rear or nourish them in the training and instruction of the Lord. Children are to obey in the Lord and parents are to train and instruct in the Lord. He is to be the center of their relationships and their teaching and learning. We have a role to play. We want our children to obey. We want peace in the home. But I know for me, there's times where I stir up, where a simple spilled cup of milk becomes a much bigger deal than it should. When I'm tired and when I'm short, there's a coat on the floor that I could pick up, but I get a little too intense about someone to get, come get that coat right now. You know what I'm talking about. We all contribute, good or bad, to a safe place. And when I think of a safe place, I imagine a home or an apartment or in a townhouse where no one is yelling, where no doors are being slammed, where nothing's being thrown, where no one's being hit, where no one's texting, please come help me. That's what I imagine when I think of a safe place and we all desperately need that. So maybe you're a grandparent who provides a safe place. Maybe you have an every other week custody agreement. It's really rough on that side, but when they come to you, it's a safe place. Whatever that looks like for you, that our homes would be a place of peace and love and joy, that when the storms of, the, of life rage, we can take comfort and shelter in our homes and with our families. So it's a place to nurture faith, it's a safe place, but it's also a group of people who meet each other's needs. And this is like family 101, right? Basic necessities, food, housing, clothing, medical care. But it also speaks to deeper things like emotional and relational needs. And I know I need to be reminded that my responsibility as a father is not to give my kids everything they want, not the best vacations. We will probably always drive used cars and that's cool. But I was reminded that my kids see it and uh, we were leafing through some of my son Levi's school papers recently and I guess this was a project for maybe St. Patrick's Day. But it says this, it's titled, I Am Lucky by Levi Rhodes. I am lucky because I have a family. I'm lucky because I go to school. I'm lucky because I have good friends. I'm lucky because I have food. His mom makes great food. I'm lucky because I have loving parents. I'm lucky because I have toys. I'm lucky because I have life. I'm lucky because I have a computer for school. Dude loves this technology. I'm lucky because I have pets and I'm lucky because I get to play baseball. 
You know, that list doesn't talk about I'm lucky because my parents have the newest car and I'm lucky because we take the biggest trips. Now, from a nine-year-old's perspective, he says he's lucky because he has a family who loves him. He's got friends. He's got food, right? That's what we're called to do. First Timothy 5 reminds us that this is a biblical responsibility. It says this, support widows who are genuinely widows, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must learn to practice godliness towards their own family first and repay their parents, for this pleases God. But if anyone does not provide for his own, this, that, it, that is in his own household, he's denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. Now, this was specifically talking about widows, but we can apply this same principle that we are responsible to our family. That's how God designed it, that our families would be the safety nets, that we would meet those needs of nuclear and extended. Doesn't mean there won't be hard times. Doesn't mean there won't be times when you need to reach out to the church or another organization for help. There's no shame in that. It happens to all of us. But it shouldn't mean that we're not providing because of lack of effort or lack of care or misuse of God-given resources. And I also want to remind us that the needs that you're meeting both inside of the home or outside of the home or inside and outside of the home is godly. And what you are doing pleases the Lord and it makes his heart glad. It reminds me of the Proverbs 31 woman, a very appropriate passage for Mother's Day. It says, she watches over the activities of her household, is never idle. Her sons rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women are capable, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates. When we meet the needs of our families, that is so important to God. However you're doing that and whatever that looks like, whether it is seen or not seen, it is important. Next, a family is a group of people who you can make an impact together with. A group of people that you can make a unique impact with. And I think that's gonna be different for all of us. There's probably some shared things that we could all participate in, but what if God had something unique for your family with your unique circumstances, with your unique resources or challenges or setbacks that God could use to bless other people? Imagine if every family viewed it that way, what can we do? What can our family accomplish for God? Matthew 5 calls us to be the light. You're the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. We don't do this to get a pat on the back. We don't do this to post something online. We do it because God first loved us and we want to extend that love to others. You know, here at the Ridge, we try to make it easy. We try to inspire you, but it's up to you to take those steps. Uh, I love that we have a grandmother and a granddaughter who, who faithfully greet here at the church. I love that we have a mother and a teenage son who serve with our kids together. 
I love the stories of families going to Aldi or Kroger or Walmart to fill bags full of food for the food drive or when they're doing their back-to-school shopping that they're filling an extra backpack for kids or they're going through their coats to see which ones are still in good shape that they can give. That's an impact together. But also I encourage you to take initiative. Those are church kind of organized efforts and they're really important and they make a big difference. But I think the greater impact is when you take initiative. That there's a widow on your street that doesn't have family caring for her. That you have a single mom or a single dad. Or there's a foster family that your family could serve. Or you look at your home and you really do see it as a ministry tool a resource that you could provide as that safe place to have others come over for a meal. So people know that your home is a place that the door is always open. And and we're talking in this Foster Awareness Month that maybe that's the calling that God has for your family to open the door to a foster child who needs a safe place, who, who is not having these things fulfilled. Whatever that might be, your family can make an impact together if you take the step. Next, family. I love this one. Reminds me of my mama. It's a group of people who love unconditionally. And doesn't that summarize the heart of a mom especially? No matter what, no matter how much of a knucklehead I was growing up, mom was always there. It's the group of people who God designed for us to love us no matter what. First Corinthians, we usually think of as the wedding chapter, but hear this scripture and consider what our families would look like if we applied this to our family relationships. Love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, it's not boastful, it's not conceited. Does not act improperly, it's not selfish. Is not provoked, does not keep record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. And that was Jesus' great commandment to love God and love others. And Jesus told his disciples that by this, all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. It starts at home, like a pebble that's dropped into a pond and moves outward, that love that is expressed in word and deed in our homes ripples out into our communities. And finally, our families, I believe if we properly view it, can be our greatest legacy. Our greatest legacy. You know, if you think about everything that it takes for a family, it's a lot. And you're like, tell me something I didn't know, Josh. It's hard work. I I still don't know how my mom had nine of us and now has like 20 plus grandkids. I mean, I remember one time she, she said, I thought the hard work would end when you guys were gone, but now you keep having more kids and it's, it's a lot more and she loves it, but it's a lot of work. You know that. In our families, we give and we give, and we forgive and we forgive. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, there are good seasons and hard seasons. And in other realms of life, when we work that hard, we get appreciated, we get noticed, we get promoted, we get some kind of reward, but in our families, oftentimes, it can feel thankless. 
And I don't think we necessarily do that on purpose. It's just we're all doing our best to make this work and we don't feel the appreciation. So what do I do? Well, I tend to give myself more to the things beyond my family because you get appreciated, you get noticed. But I just wanna remind us that one of our greatest impacts for God is in the family. I mentioned Timothy and I love Timothy and I love that the apostle Paul took him under his wing and and called him his son in the faith. But it wasn't Timothy that instilled the faith in him. And I've already mentioned that from a child he knew the scriptures, but where did he get that? Second Timothy chapter one actually tells us. It says, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, remembering your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy, clearly recalling your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois, then in your mother Eunice, and now I am convinced in you also. I love that. And again, just an appropriate passage on Mother's Day that Timothy went on to do amazing things for God, but he would not have been able to accomplish any any of that if it weren't for his dear grandmother, Lois. Shout out to Lois and anyone anyone who's named Lois. An amazing woman. Shout out to Eunice, who faithfully poured in to Timothy day after day, night after night, loving and encouraging and doing the things that will never be noticed and will never be promoted and will never be rewarded, but it mattered. It's their legacy. I remember Uh, A number of years ago, I was probably 16 or 17, and at that point, I kind of sensed that maybe I wanted to follow in my father's footsteps as a pastor. I really admired what he did. Sometimes it can be hard to be a PK, a preacher's kid. It wasn't for me. I really, really thought what he did was awesome. And I remember one time, he pulled me aside. It was one of those kind of father-son chats, and he said, Josh, what I do for the church And what I do for people and weddings and funerals and all of that stuff that people think is so great, he said, I know it matters and I know it's important and I believe it is. But he said, Josh, my greatest impact, your mother's greatest impact will be be you kids. It will be you and it will be Shonda and Erica and Heather and Matthew and Joy and Seth and Jeremiah and Kristen. It will be you children who we are faithfully investing and loving and help nurturing that faith who will have a family of their own and they will pass on that godly heritage for generation to come. And I wholeheartedly believe that. And you know how much I love the Ridge. You know how much I love what I get to be a part of and what God's doing in and through our church I think is awesome. But I know that one day this is going to be gone. I'm not going to be a pastor here forever. You're not gonna fulfill those other roles forever, but Lord willing, your family will be. And your legacy will go on for generation to come. So I just encourage us, the world is not gonna give you that perspective. They're not gonna value someone getting up at two in the morning to help a child who's throwing up. They're not gonna see when your kid is struggling and you're fighting to get them into a counseling appointment because everyone's booked, but you know your kid needs help. You're not gonna get a trophy for that. 
You're not gonna get a promotion for reading that Bible storybook every night and it's always David and Goliath because they love that one. But God sees it and that will be your greatest legacy and you've just gotta believe it. So let's review the list and I'm gonna move quickly but consider maybe where you feel like you need to take a step or where your family needs to take a step. Finding God's purpose for family is about faith nurturing faith in Jesus Christ and fanning that flame of of love for God and others. Do you need to reprioritize God? Are there some things that have become number one and you need to put God back in his proper position? Is it a safe place? When I was talking about the doors that were slamming and the voices that were yelling, do you need to just really consider, is my home a safe place? What is it about my home that's not safe that you need to consider? Are you meeting one another's needs, both within your walls, but also extended family? Are we faithfully caring for our parents and grandparents and repaying what they have done for us? Are we making an impact together? Are you looking for ways that your family can make an impact for Christ? Are you loving unconditionally? Are you forgiving even when you don't want to? Are you bringing them home again and again and again? Are you fighting for their heart and your legacy? Have you become convinced that your greatest legacy is something that gets promoted, rewarded, or posted online? Or will you choose to believe that your greatest legacy is hidden and it is private and it is unappreciated, but God sees it and it matters? So in a moment, we're gonna sing one of our favorite songs here at the Ridge, The Blessing. It comes directly from scripture. So I wanna read that passage where it comes from, Numbers chapter six, as a blessing for you and your family and your children and their children. And then we're gonna respond and worship today. Numbers chapter six says this, the Lord spoke to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. You should say to them, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Let's pray. God, we acknowledge and believe that family is your idea. We thank you that you created it, that you designed it. We thank you that you sent your one and only son through the family into this world. We also acknowledge, God, that all of us have sinned and fall short, that there are many times I make family difficult. Josh does that. So Jesus, we know we need your help. We thank you for the families that are in a great, stable, healthy place. We give you praise for that and pray that it can continue. But God, I also lift up the families that are being torn apart or have been broken apart and just feel hopeless. God, would you remind them that with you, all things are possible. Yesterday is, is gone and today is here. So we ask for your favor. We ask for your blessing for our, our children and their children and for generations to come to the glory of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time.